Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. All over the world. Good morning. It is Monday here on Church Boy Confessions. He will direct your path. So what's there to fear again? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to the Church Boy Confessions podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel Hecke. Hope you guys have had an amazing past week. Um, it's definitely been a challenging week for a lot of people, particularly um, a lot going on in Nigeria. So I just hope you guys, you know, could just lift them up in prayer. Um, you know, it's just a lot of drama that's been going on, a lot of violence that's been going on alongside that. Um, just with the recent election and corruption and uh, and yeah, if you guys can just keep that in your prayers, I really appreciate it. But aside from that, I mean, I'll tell you this, man. Guys, definitely been showing me favor um, just in my life right now, and I'm very thankful to God right now. Um, things have been good with me, y'all, and I hope things have been good with you as well. But I do want to start off this episode by um, doing a prayer for Nigeria. So let's do that, Heavenly Father. Uh, I thank you so much for the opportunity you've given us uh, just to come together this week. Um, you know, we put this entire episode into your hands, Lord, and I just want to pray for um, Nigeria as a country, um, that your justice and that your righteousness shine through, um, that all corruption comes to an end, that violence comes to an end, Lord, um, and that you deliver that country and the righteousness of that country, Lord, that you set up the leader that you that you want, that you have chosen, that, that pleases you, oh God, and that will truly bring that country into a better future, Lord, um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Um, before we get into the episode, I, I'm very excited about this episode. I think this episode touches on multiple um, facets of the life that we live as young believers today in 2023. Um, it really speaks to, you know, our definition of what a great man or a great woman is. and um, also speaks to, um, I think, more in particular, toxic masculinity. Um, but I, I think the overarching topic of today is really going to talk about, you know, how our definition of a great man and a great woman and the traits of a great man and a great woman, at least um, our definition that we would give them or the traits that we would say great men and great women have um, is different based on whether you're talking about it from a biblical standpoint or talking about it from a worldly standpoint. And it's important for us to, to, to be able to see that discrepancy there. But before that, I have to announce, ladies and gentlemen, next week we have Bible study um, I believe that's, what is that, April, 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 April 3rd? Is that April 3rd? If it's not April 3rd, please forgive me. No, no, I'm going to check right now. Dang it. Um, yeah, it's April 3rd, all right? Uh, we have Bible study next week, 5.30 p.m. Um, please uh, sign up in the link in, our, in the description or in our bio on Instagram or in our bio on TikTok if you have not um, already. But if you have, you know how it is, you know the drill. You guys will receive the, uh, the link. Uh, the the Google Meets link in, in your email. Um, I'm thinking we're going to talk about like just false teachers and like really how to overcome them. Just a lot of the the noise that we get from, um, you know, false teachers, temptations, all these different things that try to distract us from scripture. Um, I think I think I think that would be great that we talk about that. But if I change it, don't don't charge it to me. <laughs> charge it to the game. But yeah, Bible study next week. And also, I just want to say, you know, I, I, first of all, I want to say thank you to people who have been donating recently. Um, it's truly been a blessing. And bruh, thank you so much. If, if you've been donating, uh, it really means not a lot. And it's really effective um, because we have plans 
And I might announce it next week. I don't want to announce it yet, but we have plans. Well, I guess I can announce it. We're doing another poetry gen this year. Okay. We're doing another poetry gen this year. Um, and it's looking like it's going to be August 26th, but I will have more information on that coming soon. Um, but that's a, that's something that the board has decided on. Um, so we definitely could, we're very, we're very excited for it. And we are definitely, um, trying to really charge as many people as we can, um, to feel, if you feel led to consider donating to us so we can have this show, um, and we can pay for all the expenses easily, no, no issue, um, and do what we did this past February again, or let God do what he did this past February all over again in, in August. So, uh, more information to come, you know what I'm saying? If there's any changes, I'll let you guys know as well. Um, but yeah, if you feel led at any time to donate to, uh, this 501c3 nonprofit organization, we call unassociated that powers this podcast that powers great with Kendra that powers pretty much everything that you know, of unassociated, <laughs> um, please consider donating at www.unassociated.com slash donate all right but let's get to this episode because um i'm very excited for it right what are the traits of a great man what are the traits of a great woman right um, when you look at it in the world you have different traits you know what i'm saying like you know their strength their grit their their independence their their um their wisdom their intellect they work hard, uh, smarter not hard all the different stuff that we have you know um, but I, I think that when you look at what God defines as a great man or a great woman, and we look at the great men and great women that we see in the Bible, um, it's very different and sometimes even the opposite. Because what God would say is a great man and a great woman, as we see in Scripture, doesn't look like the person that's the most independent. It looks like the person that's the most dependent, right? And it doesn't look like the person that's most proud of all of their strengths and all of their, you know, that is confident because of their own abilities. But it looks like the person who is humble under God can admit that they are not enough, can admit their weaknesses like like Apostle Paul does. And on their weaknesses, they are made strong through Christ. Right. So it's a big difference. And if we start to try and, you know, we all want to be great men and women. But do understand that there's a difference between being a great man and woman of the world and a great man or woman of God. And today I want to talk to the people who want to be great men and women of God. And let's make something straight. Great men and women of God are people who seek after God's heart. So it only makes sense. That if we want to be people that seek after God's heart, because that's what defines a great man and woman of God, obviously, that's a very general, you know, (laughs) definition that I think we can all agree on. Right. Like, I don't have to prove that. But obviously, if you're a person that's of God, then you ought to be seeking after his heart. Let's go to the person that God said seeks after his heart. Let's go to David. A perfect example of someone, or maybe not the perfect example, maybe I'll take that word away because he's not a perfect example of, of a person, right? to be if we're going to look at the perfect example of a perfect person and we're going to look at jesus christ and no other person in the bible no other human that's ever walked this earth but i do think that we can gain something from looking at david's life not because he did everything perfect but because god said that that's someone that's after my heart what exactly does that mean i think it can mean many things but there's two things that i want us to really touch on this episode about what it truly means to be after God's heart, what it looks like, rather, to be after God's heart. You see, I think the first place I saw this this saying, a guy after God's heart, 
was in 1 Samuel chapter 13. And what happened in this chapter was that you had the first king of Israel, King Saul. He was with the army, right? They were going against the Philistines and the Philistines pretty much surrounded them and just overwhelming them. And they went to go hide in some caves, right? So while Saul and his army are in the caves, you know, the time comes like, yo, um, we need to give an offering to God because we need to figure out how we're going to get out of this. Mind you, there's the commandment that only the priests can do offerings, can conduct the physical offerings, burning it, taking the taking the the calf and burning it, so on and so forth. That is something that the priests designated for them to do, period. So Saul can't just do it himself. He has to wait for the priest to come. The priest who is, his name is Samuel. And if I mix them up, I tell you, because anytime I talk about Samuel and Saul, I always be mixing them up because their names just sound, you know, similar. So Saul is waiting on the priest, Samuel and prophet Samuel to come to conduct the burnt offering. But Saul, you know, maybe he's getting a little nervous. Maybe he's getting a little anxious. I mean, obviously, but he decides to do it himself, which is a really bad thing to do because you just went against the commandment of God. Right. So then this was Samuel's response or Samuel's reaction to Saul having really just gone against God's commandment. It was 1 Samuel chapter 13, um, starting at verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, thou hast done foolishly, thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever, but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought for sought him a man after his own heart. Mm, there it is. And the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Mm. That's deep. The Lord is seeking a man after his own heart because you broke God's commandment. Now, at first glance, you might think, OK, well, we know the difference between Saul and David. And we know the reason why the Bible says that David is a man after his, after God's heart is because David kept all the commandments of God and Saul didn't. <laughs> but if you know anything about David, <laughs> this man did not keep all the commandments of God. In fact, if we were to, you know, judge David according to the law that we see, the law of Moses in the Old Testament, David should have been killed, stoned, having committed adultery so so is that what defines someone who's after god's heart i do believe that it's a part of it absolutely but we all have to also understand that nobody has ever kept the law perfectly aside from jesus christ himself so is there more to it to be a man or to be a woman after god's heart i believe that there is and i believe that what the more what what that is is really um illuminated to us when we look at the life of David, if we're going to figure out what does it mean to be a person that's after God's heart, then I would hope that when we look at David's life, we can see something that's admirable. We can see something that, OK, I get it. I think we do see something. I think that in David's life, we can tell that he's a man after God's heart because of two reasons. And I'm sure that's probably more reasons than that, but. The two reasons that I can see is his reliance on God or his trust, his dependence on God, rather, and his humility under God, him humbling himself as a human being under God. 
I think the first thing that comes to our mind as Christians when we think about David is a lot of things, right? The Davidic covenant, of course, like his kingdom is supposed to be forever because ultimately, you know, the lineage of Jesus is from David, right? So, I mean, David, that's a big blessing, right? You know, he's a strong king. He's a mighty warrior in battle. He's a giant slayer, you know? We see him as a very courageous person. He 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 was a he was a kid when he when he killed Goliath, right? A subduer of nations. I think that's a big one, or a conqueror of nations. One of the places because I used to be a big David fanboy, and not that like I I'm not anymore because like like I don't like David, but it was just a time in my life where I felt like my my life really resonated with with David. Um, so I, I would just keep on reading First Second Samuel, First Second Samuel. You know what I'm saying? Um. And I really love 2 Samuel chapter 8. It's not like there was a lot of plot in 2 Samuel chapter 8, but ultimately in 2 Samuel chapter 8, it's just telling the story of David's conquests. Like, it's just literally, he went to this nation, he conquered them, they became his servants. He went to this nation, he conquered them, they became his servants. I'll read a part of it. Um, chapter chapter 8, verse verse 3, it said, David also defeated Hadadezer, the son of Rehob, king of Zobah, as he went to recover his territory at the river Euphrates, David took from him 1,000 chariots, 700 horsemen, and 20,000 foot soldiers. Also, David hamstrung all the chariot horses, um, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. When the, when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of, of the Syrians. Um, I'm sorry, uh, let's go to verse 6. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians um, became David's servants and brought tribute. So the Lord preserved David wherever he went. I mean, and and it's just, it's just, then it goes to like the next place that David conquered and the next place that David conquered. Um, I did a maps assignment for one of my assignments in, in seminary, and I'm going to pull up these maps. Sorry for people who are listening. I know, you know, sorry. <laughs> but you're not gonna be able to see the maps but uh if you look at the comparison of these two maps right um on where am i gonna put this map because you know technically i'm recording it before i'm actually putting it up on on my right hand side so my right hand on the left side you see um you know david's kingdom in a sense right the green symbolizes um what what israel was right but then also the what, what is that magenta or like some type of weird red symbolizes the place that he had like he conquested right he had conquests over and he set up like uh you know garrisons over those areas as well and if you compare that to to the map that's on the right you see that this was the promised land right so like he essentially like conquested almost all of the promised land right so so this was a this was a conqueror of nations like david was a conqueror of nations he he slew thousands of men he was a giant slayer as well and he led armies man like if you're talking about alpha male this guy's alpha male like this guy was super strong right i mean by any definition whether it's the world's definition or or uh biblical definition this is sounds like a strong guy right but the thing is this is not the only depictions of david we get in the bible because we also see different things that david wrote that we have in the bible we see we get an inside look on his thought process we get an inside look on how he would speak 
to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, how he would speak to this God whose heart he was very much after. And, and I must say, I, I, I see something, and, and maybe I'll, I'll read a couple places in Psalms, um, and then you guys can tell me, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you notice the discrepancy between, you know, the, the conqueror of nations and the person that you see depicted in, in these Psalms. So I'm going to read a couple different Psalms. Psalm 7, attributed to David. Verse 1, O Lord my God, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me, lest they tear me like a lion rending me in pieces while there is none to deliver that's kind of okay uh psalm 13 verse 1 to 2 how long wilt thou forget me O lord forever how long wilt thou hide thy face from me how long shall i take counsel in my soul having sorrow in my heart daily wow how long shall my enemies be exalted over me wow Sounds like me. <laughs> uh, Psalms 27, verse 13 says, I had fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wow, you would have fainted? You, well, you almost fainted? You're saying that your enemies would, would tear you apart like a lion? You're, you're saying that your heart is in sorrow daily? That doesn't sound, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's just me. But to me, that doesn't sound like the same person we see in 2 Samuel 8. It doesn't sound like the conquester. I said the conquester. That's funny. It doesn't sound like the conqueror of nations. It doesn't sound like the giant slayer. It doesn't sound like someone. It sounds like someone that's more weak than is strong. And it sounds like someone who's more scared than he is courageous. So the question I have to ask is how do we reconcile? Like if this is supposed to be the same person, how do we reconcile 2 Samuel chapter 8 David and the David that we see in numerous Psalms who looks like a vulnerable, like not super, you know, strong man. And I think we reach that reconciliation when we recognize that God was the source of 2 Samuel chapter 8, David. You see, because God was his source of confidence and God was his source of refuge and God was his source of power and source of strength and source of, of wisdom and guidance. And we know this because when David needed any of these things, God is the person that he went to and God is the person that he's crying to and begging and praying to when he's in need of these things. That's why you can see a psalm of him crying on his face and then immediately the psalm after is him rejoicing because God has saved him. That's the reason why we have a psalm like Psalm 27. Verse 1 to 3, when he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Thou, thou, though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Mm. 
The reason why we see the David that is the conqueror of nations, the reason why we see the David that can slay a giant, the reason why we see the David that can lead a nation is because of the David that would cry to God and say that I need you. It's because of the David that recognized that God was the source of everything that he needed. And he recognized that because he knew and he even see it because he wrote it down that the reason why he didn't have to fear because God was his light and his salvation. And the reason why a host can encamp against him and he didn't have to fear that was because he was confident that God was his light and his salvation. <laughs> David was a man that did great things. And he knew that he did great things, but he also knew that the reason why he was able to do those great things was not because of his own ability. It's not because of his own wisdom and his own intellect. It wasn't because of his own charm. It wasn't because of his own strength. It was because of God. David was a dependent person. He was a dependent human being. But the world will tell you that the traits of a successful and prosperous person, of a great man or a great woman, is independence. These are the people who can reach deep down, whatever the heck they're reaching deep down in themselves for, and bring out determination and pull themselves up and, and, and be independent and stand on their own too. And that's why they're successful. But first, before you hear anything about the word about, oh, uh, uh, you hear anything from the world about being successful, do understand that there's a difference between the world's definition of successful and God's definition of successful. And if you want God's definition of successful, it's not about being independent. It's about being dependent on him. It's not about when something bad happens, it's, come on, you know, like, you got this. Now, nah, it's about, dang, I don't got this. I need God. It's not about trusting in yourself. It's about trusting in the Lord. Let's go to Psalm 18, verse 17, because this is the one that really, you know, Really, really kind of inspired this this message because when I when I was looking at Second Samuel chapter eight, and then I, I saw Psalm eighteen seventeen, when David wrote, "He delivered me," talking about God. God delivered me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too strong for me. Whoa, whoa! Did he just admit that his enemies were too strong for him? What? If it's the world, the world will tell us, nah, don't say that. You're the best. You got to believe it. Say your affirmations. You got to believe that you're the best. That's how you're going to be able. You got to visualize it. That's how you're going to be able to overcome it. It's all within you. Just bring it out within you. Nah, David said, yo, these enemies are too strong for me. That's what David said. They're too strong. So I need God to deliver me, yo. I need him to deliver me. He admitted it because it was the truth. And he doesn't have to deny the truth. 
because he knows that it's on this foundation that God gets the glory on the foundation that he can admit that this challenge is too big for him. I need a savior. I am not my own savior. I can't do it on myself. There's nothing within me that I can reach down and pull out. I need God. Because he's a man after God's heart. And that's what it looks like to be a man or a woman after God's heart. It's not to be an independent human being. You were not built to be an independent human being. You were built to be an entity that depends on God. <laughs> that uses your existence as a pedestal for his glory. Look what happened to David and Goliath. He didn't fight for himself. The reason why he, he went up against David wasn't because he knew he had it like that. Let's read it. First Samuel chapter 17. David versus Goliath. This is what David said to Goliath after he just washed him. Um, before he washed him, sorry. Verse 46. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands. Wow. And I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcass of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild, and to, and, and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that David is one of them ones. That's not what he said. He said that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Let's continue. Then all the assembly shall know that David is him. That's not what it says. That all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. You see, David was a man after God's heart because he humbled himself under God. He didn't try to take God's glory at all. He knew that it wasn't about it. He knew that he, he didn't have it like that. And, and it wasn't his, his intention to make it seem like he had it like that. He made it very clear what's about to happen. What's about to happen is that God is about to give your life into my hands. I'm about to do you like that. But I, I'm not going to do you like that because it's me. I'm about to do you like that because God wants you done like that. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> that's what it was. Period. David knew who empowered him. He knew who empowered him. Look at this guy, the conqueror of nations, right? David, the conqueror of nations, was not the guy that you think. David, King David, was a guy who cried a lot. He's a guy that knew he didn't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. He's a guy that could admit his weaknesses. Mm. He could admit that he wasn't the strongest guy in the world. With the strongest nation, the strongest army in the world. 
he could admit that he wasn't the wisest guy or the smartest guy in the world because he knew that he didn't need to be any of those things. Because as long as God was his light and salvation and because of God was his refuge and because God was his strength, then he was going to be enough and he was going to be anything that God needed him to be in order for God to get the glory. Period. I tell you, man, I, I want this episode to be as inclusive as possible. So I, so I talked about that, what it looks like to be a great man and woman of God. But if you guys will allow me, I want to talk about us guys. From many different avenues, we've been taught what it looks like to be a man. Um, and I think that there's only one perfect example of what it looks like to be a man, and that's the perfect human being. That's Jesus Christ. And that's the godly qualities that have been exemplified by the men of Scripture. When I look at David and his Psalms, and I look at someone who's dependent, and I look at someone who's vulnerable and someone who's crying, and I think about how we would view a someone like that in our society, we would call that person weak. We would call that guy weak. We would call that guy um, soft. And I think it's important for us to understand that this idea of masculinity that we have, it has to be tested. It has to be tested with this, the Bible. Because if we're not careful, in an effort for us to be the most masculine men, we will be men of disobedience, godless men, men who do not submit under the Lord, men that do not take care of business, um, men that are not after God's heart. Um, and a lot of us, you know, a lot of us, the toxic masculinity comes from us wanting things that are not of God. It comes from the pride of life. It comes from the lust of life and so on and so forth. Um, and then it's really a sin problem and we have to make sure that our, our priorities are straight and maybe... I'll do an entire episode on toxic masculinity in the future. That would be that would be great. But I think that really to tie it back to the specific episode. David was a conqueror of nations and David was a man of God and he was a man that was after his after uh God's heart. Um he was not the guy that never cried. He was not the guy that um never asked for help. He was not the guy that thought that he could handle everything. 
And that's why we can call him a man after God's heart. You get what I'm saying? So what do you want to be? The man as the world defines it? Or the man after God's heart? You can't be both. Choose one. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this word. I thank you so much for um, really your grace, your grace, and because we all need it. We all need it, Father. Some of us, we done did something stupid this past week that we're not even proud of. But we thank you for your grace. We never deserved it. Thank you for being faithful to us when we're not faithful to you. Um, Father, I'm just praying that you help us to truly be men and women that can that that are after your heart, oh God, that are after your heart, that are seeking you, oh God, that 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 understands the importance of our trust, reliance, our dependence on you, that understands the the importance of humility as well, oh God. Help us, Lord Jesus, to truly be canvases for you, pedestals for your own glory, O oh God, and use us to in accordance with your will, with your perfect will, your perfect way, O oh God. Father, help our aim to be more like Jesus. And I'm praying for all of us men, God, who have been affected by, by the conditioning of toxic masculinity, telling us that we have to be all these things that even go against what it looks like to be a man that go, that is after your heart. But the devil is a liar, God. The devil is a liar, Father. We see the churches. There's a whole lot of more women than it is men now these days. We, we see the families. Where are the fathers at? God, let there be a change. Let there be a change. Let there be an awakening. Let there be, let there be a shift, oh God. Amongst men, amongst us young men, old men, all of us, Lord, to truly... Be after your heart, oh God, and in being after your heart, for uh, in being after your heart, for us to take care of business, take care of our families, take care of our women, take care of our communities, Lord. To know that it's not all up to us, Father God, but it's about you using us for your will. Father, let that be the case. Let that be the case, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, for real. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll have that talk. We'll have more uh, on toxic masculinity coming soon. I'll probably do like an episode on that. I don't know when, though. But I think that that has to happen. But um, aside from that, y'all, aside from that, Bible study next week, like I said at the beginning of the show, um, also, at any given time, if you feel led to donate to uh, Unassociated, because we got plans, we got plans, go to www.unassociated.com slash donate. I appreciate y'all. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Once again, I'll see y'all next week. Peace.